So great to see everybody and be together. And no, I was not I was not in a back alley fight in Byron last night. This is allergies, my friends. Anybody with me? The uh, learning to manage. It comes every year. You know it's coming. And it's about five days of not fun. And somebody's like, are you all right? And I'm like, yes, I wasn't in a fight. These eyes are natural, okay? So it's good to be together. Uh, We're going to continue in our teaching series, walking through Colossians a little bit here. And today is really pivotal and important. Uh, in the the letter. It's one of the richest pieces of scripture probably, and you hear me say favorite a lot, so you're probably like, what is your favorite? But this is probably my favorite portion of scripture, so really excited to teach on it. Um, I have favorite books of the Bible and letters and stuff, but this is a beautifully written, contextually written piece by Paul that we're going to get to. But before we do that, a couple things just as far as where we're headed um, over the summer. So we have decided this summer in our gatherings here in the room, that we're actually gonna do something a little different and we're gonna walk through the Alpha course together as part of our Sundays together. And that's intentional for a couple reasons. One, it shouldn't be disconnected from us. I think everybody needs to see and engage this. And then what we wanna do is do round table stuff and just open it up for people to invite people. Um, I know that's very difficult. That's very hard for most of us in this room. We've tossed this idea around for a couple years and with the the knowledge and understanding, well, what if just our folks show up? And I've come to a point, I think we've come to a point where that's okay. We'd love for you to bring people, invite people, but we're going to engage pieces of the course each week and there's going to be some commentary from myself and other people that will help deepen it as well for us at times. So as we ask big questions around, is there more to life than this? Um, who is Jesus, the Spirit, things like prayer, uh, evangelism, all of this I think will be really helpful whether you've been a Jesus follower for a long time or you know people that need to engage this. We encourage you to invite them. Uh, Most weeks will probably be in the round and we're going to have refreshments and just try and for the summer, the the couple summer months, just kind of make it engaging and inviting for people. Not that we don't do that week to week, but this is a kind of a direction we want to go. So I hope when you're in town that you can join us, but we're excited, sorry, to start that on July 9th and we'll do seven or eight weeks of the Alpha course and it'll give you an opportunity just to engage that. Again, there'll be points and moments for myself where we'll be able to maybe take it a little further as well in some of the big ideas. That makes sense? Then in the fall, I know you're just like, man, I came to church really wondering what we're going to talk about in the fall, but we have mapped out from September all the way to December um, a series on words and language. We're basically going to take 12 weeks, 14 weeks, and look at Um, key words, especially throughout the New Testament, that sometimes we use and we don't even really know what we're, like the depth of the word. So you have heard a foundational teaching actually for me, um, both in this community and if I'm invited to talk other places. Sometimes I'll get invited and it's like, can you just teach on the thing that you think is important? And some of you have heard this teaching around faith or pistis. Some of you remember that. And you realize that faith is not the only word where there's a lot of muddiness a couple thousand years later in our con- like English language. So sometimes we'll use words like love and righteousness and faith. 
and we just say these things, and maybe in our mind's eye, we kind of know what we mean, but what does the New Testament mean? And so we're going to take that all the way from September into the four words or themes of Advent, love, joy, peace. Help me out, my brain is mush. No, 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 no. Love, joy, peace. What's the fourth word in Advent? Hope, thank you, you win. There's a prize at the back, the coffee free at the back table. You win, that's great, thank you. Um, yes, hope. So the hope is to kind of smush that all together. And I actually think it's going to be a really meaningful fall as we start to prepare. We're actually going to have a resource for you to buy if you want. A uh, New Testament scholar that's done a really good job around many of these words that we're going to gauge. So just to show you, alpha throughout the summer uh, into kind of the fall. I know that seems like a far ways away, and we don't want to rush the summer, certainly, but just want you to know. And again, I know maybe the feeling is, Alpha, come on, man, like I'm a, I'm a Jesus follower for like 10, 20, whatever years. I do think there's something important for us. My hope is, is that we engage that. The Spirit would maybe set into motion some of you that could actually take Alpha, which is a free resource, and engage it in your neighborhoods, in your homes. I know that sounds radical, but this has kind of been on the heaven eyes brain a little bit too, like as we engage it and we rub shoulders with people that have a lot of questions. Um, I view it, we view it as like an, uh, maybe an equipping time as well. You get around some things where your heart and your minds are stirred up, but maybe you could take it as well and, and run it. Uh, we want this to be in everybody's hands. Sound good? So that's a little bit of where we're headed. With that said, Colossians 3, okay? And if you, I, if you could open with it, if you have the ability, I'd really encourage you to do that because here's the thing with this morning. Typically what we do, you know, a lot of times in the teaching, I'll read the text and then, you know, point to it and, and walk through it and tell stories and try and engage as much around, woo! Anybody got an interpretation for that one? That was good. I thought I was struggling with uh, some allergies here. That was awesome. Um, Sneezers are welcome, okay, for Praxis Church, because I'm going to probably end up sneezing at some point here too. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things we do is we kind of read the entirety of the text and then, you know, point to it, draw from it, tell stories, try and engage it. What I actually want to do here is I've been wrestling through this the last couple weeks with this particular portion of Scripture. You know, sometimes we do the hard work of trying to understand the Greco-Roman context or the Semitic languages that are the Bible, and we're just like wrestling like with what does this mean in our time? And not that we're not doing that here, but this is so clear and beautiful. A lot of that contextual work doesn't need to be done. What I want to do is actually go really slow through this portion of Scripture and just read it and stop and read it and stop and read it and stop as a way to us to like fully engage it. So this is what Paul says. He opens up. Remember, Colossae, not kind of like a backwoods town. New church in this area. Paul, again, writing to this community. And he's trying to help them. And, you know, one of the things we've learned is that they're kind of being, for, not forced, but influenced by the culture around them. Paul's trying to equip them with some things that will help them as this new community, not to be influenced by the culture. And then this is what he says. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Then he says it again. 
Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden in Christ, hidden with Christ in God. So the premise here for Paul is all of us in this revolution have been raised with Christ. Jesus is the center. He went into the ground, came out, defeated sin and death. And now the marker for those of us, even though we have not gone gone into the grave yet, is those of us that are the Jesus community, we are these people that have been raised with him. Now, the, the language of seated at the right hand of God comes from the ascension. And as you know, Jesus ascends to heaven. And I know sometimes in the picture we get, we think, well, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. It's kind of like the, the visual we get, and that's, that's fine. Interesting that the right hand of the Father, like the right hand type of language, is all about authority. So it's not as much about place as it is in that day saying Jesus is the supreme king. The right hand of the Father language is we are raised with the king of the universe. We are these people that have been raised with him. Now, I love, there's, there's part of me, I love this. If we could take Paul and import him here today, I think it would be interesting just to have a dialogue with Paul in his language around our thoughts and how that plays out today, even in like modern secular research. Because Paul is continually in his letters talking about our thinking that actually how you and I think is very important in the shaping of our lives. And I gotta say, many of you know, my world is very much caught up in this idea of our thoughts being pathways to the way we feel and behave. And over the last few decades, there has been massive amounts of research that show for most of us in this room, especially if we haven't had deep traumatic wounds. So for some of us, if we've had deep trauma in our lives, the prefrontal cortex is closing off a lot for us. And so we go towards the wounds and there's different ways of doing that. But for most of us in this room, there's a precedent that our thoughts are actually the things, whether you follow Jesus or not, the thought, our thoughts are the things that are the pathway to how we feel. And I just... I wonder sometimes if we were to import Paul into the room and just get his thoughts on this as he shared 2,000 years ago with the research that we have today just to show the power that is here. Paul, as Jesus followers, wants us to set our, thing, set our thoughts and set our minds on Christ. Brothers and sisters, how we actually think is is deeply important to the overall flourishing of our lives. And what Paul is doing to these communities is giving them a, a new way of thinking, that we are to set our minds, to set our thinking on things that are above, not on what we see around us. And it's funny because This is what a lot of secular psychologists would say is actually an important way. Maybe not setting our our minds on things above, but the reality that our thoughts and our thinking really lead our lives. A lot of research recently that has shown that you and I typically think more negatively by default than we do positively, just as the way in which we're wired. Um, You know this, right? So you do something 
Nine people praise you for what you do. One person criticizes you. What do you think about? Right? Try being a pastor. <laughs> right? But one thing drilling into your mind is oftentimes for most of us in this room, the reality of the, the neg negative thoughts that kind of lead us. And Paul here is leading the community that we are to be people that set our minds on the things above, not on earthly things. To set our minds on the reality that in and amongst the pain, the suffering, the things we see around us, and for this community here in Colossae, in and amongst the things that are shaping them from the outside or trying to pull them kind of into the cultural milieu, which, by the way, was like Caesar worship, worshiping the empire. Um, at times we've talked, you almost had to like bow your knee in the agora to get your groceries as an allegiance to Caesar. There was all sorts of Gnosticism happening, kind of deeper, better spiritual ways to kind of uh, manage and kind of ascend in life. And then Paul comes along with this radical way that we are these ones that follow a, a crucified Messiah. This is what Paul is saying. Set our minds on the things that are right and true and on the things that are above. And this, for me, guys, puts the scriptures in its context. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know this, people use the Bible as a weapon or one-off verses that are just like trying to create ideologies. The reason why the scriptures are so important is because as we immerse them, or as Eugene Peterson says, we eat this book, we, we, we ingest the scriptures. It is something that changes our thoughts to help us think, um, think and set our minds on the things above. You with me? So everything we're trying to do here is not just to like fashion and create really beautiful teachings and all that. That's, that's fine. What we're trying to do is actually as we engage the scriptures and as you get rhythms in your life, we're setting our minds on things above. And so your thoughts, brothers and sisters, and the way you think is a pathway to the unfolding of our lives. And Paul knows this. Paul knows this and wants the church to set our mind on the story of Jesus as we follow the crucified Messiah. You with me? The way you think is deeply important, right? The way we think changes the way we feel. The way we think often puts into motion habits and practices that form and shape us over time. Make sense? You out there? Is it hot in here? It's a little hot in here, feeling that. Sweating under the arms a little on a Sunday morning. It's good, all right. Um, I'm just really actually thankful for the, the, the outfit decision today because I was going to wear a much heavier sweater, but now that I'm sweating under my arms, I'm very happy that it's light. Um, so setting our minds on the things above, this is what Paul wants us to do. Brothers and sisters, this is the call. Continually reforming and renewing the way we think. And I have to do this, right? The pull, the sucking in of what the good life is, right? Paul wants us to set our mind on Jesus the King, what he's doing. And ultimately, the connection to Jesus being at the right hand of the Father is this connection of we set our minds on the authority that is Jesus. So again, not just one-off verses of this is what you should do, but the scriptures are something that continually shapes the way we think. Paul then moves into something he does throughout his letters over and over, and it's really important we pick this up. Because he does this in Ephesians as well, I think Galatians as well. 
what Paul will often do is he will pin things and contrast things against each other, right? So he'll talk about works and works of the law and then righteousness in Christ. And one of the things that Paul gives in these letters is continual kind of image and, and imagery of taking off the old life, almost like clothes or garments. He'll use this language. Taking off the old life and putting on the new life. And actually the image we should get when we read these is, is, is almost like a change of clothes. Something that comes off and then something that comes on. Now, think about this. If you've been with us, we spent time talking about the Jewish stuff a few weeks ago in our last teaching, where Paul is basically encouraging the community, you don't have to enter into works of the law. You don't have to, the, the Jewish festivals, all that kind of stuff, you, you, don't, you don't have to kind of enter into that. Our, our, our faith, our allegiance isn't marked by those things anymore. We actually said that allegiance is now marked by something like baptism and the table. These are now the markers of the things that we do as the Jesus community. And so people went under the water and came out and it was beautiful. And so you have Paul saying, listen, you don't have to do these things. But then he follows up with this portion of the text, which calls us to do things, right? So Paul's like, not the Gnosticism, not the Jewish identity markers, and we go, sweet, freedom, right? Like we talked in Galatians, I get to do whatever the H-E double toothpicks I want to do, right? Like I just get to lead and live my life, and there's, even as a Christian, right? I'm, I'm the, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Well, yeah, kind of, yes, we'd say that, absolutely. But we'd also say Paul then would use this imagery and language around taking things off and putting things on. Let's read it, verse five, this is what he says. Put to death, so take off, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself. So there is this call, right? No, not maybe the Jewish festivals, but there is a calling for Jesus followers to rid ourselves of all such things as these. Anger and rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off, again, there's a language, of your, you're taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And so it is a reminder to us in all of the freedom talk, absolutely we are free in Christ. The Christian walk is a continual exercise until we will be saved, until that day when Jesus comes and renews all things and totally re renews and saves us. That is, it is an exercise of taking off and putting on. Taking off the, the old life. Paul lists things here, he does this in other letters. Taking off the ways of the world and continually putting in check what we put on as Paul says here, putting on the new self, which is renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. In putting on the way of Jesus, we take off. You with me? And so 
again, we live in the tension that there is a calling to action. There is patterns and rhythms in our lives that we kind of lean into to make sure that we are continually finding space to take these things off as we move forward. Again, there's things listed here, but one of the things we want to keep before us is just a reminder of in our own practice as gathering as the church that we create space in our own community for repentance, for coming to the king. But even deeper for those of us in this room, it is the call for us in our own rhythms to continually keep in check. What are the things that need to come off? What are the ways of the world that need to come off as we literally, Paul says, clothe ourselves in Christ? We put on Christ. And so we continue to live in the tension. We are saved, but it's the continual tension of we are being saved every day. Paul would say one of the things we do is we actually walk in step with the Spirit, right? And so this idea that God is like pulling strings on every little thing we do, I don't think is actually the image. The image is we walk in step with the parakaleo. We walk in step with this God who is also spirit. And the spirit leads and guides us. And part of that is taking off our old ways and putting on the newness of Christ. And we need to be challenged in and through that. So this is what Paul says, verse 11. Here's the big one. You've probably heard this a ton over the course of your life if you've been around the church. Paul says, here there is no Gentile or Jew Here, there's no circumcised or uncircumcised. Here, there's no barbarian. How would you say this next one? How would you pronounce it? Scythian. Sounds very Harry Potterish. Okay, Scythian. Slave or free. But this is what Paul says. But Christ is all and in all. If you know anything about the first century and you hear me talk a lot about this, it was stratified to the point where you were judged on whether or not you had Roman citizenship. If you were a citizen in the empire, you held all the rights and the freedoms, and what it did, and I know sometimes we have this in our own moment in different ways, is it stratified everything. So you have the Hebrew story, which is kind of like insider, outsider, right? You have the Gentile and Jew conflict throughout the millennia as there's conflict around this people and the people of God, which again is kind of marked by circumcision and uncircumcised, as Paul would say. You have slaves and free in that culture, barbarians, and Paul says, listen, here, all of us are in Christ, and Christ is in all, and what that does is it absolutely levels the playing ground, right? Everybody is invited. Everybody is one. And in our moment, it says to the things that would stratify us in our moments that the one thing the church does is it doesn't adopt these practices out in the world that would say uh, left and right, right? The, the, the things that get in our way as far as dividing people. And I know we talk about equality and inclusion and all that, but in many ways, even in and through that, we've seen more division than we ever have, and the church is this apologetic to the world that we are actually these people that in Christ, it doesn't matter where you come from, the background you come from, uh, the, the social status, the economic status, but we are these people where Christ is in us and is in all. Christ lives and dwells within us. 
that the gospel is actually this, this leveling ground. It doesn't matter our background, our culture, what we do. And we, we still have those things, but we bring them knowing that Christ unifies us. And so it's almost like, in a sense, the cherry on top. You take off the old life, you put on the new life, and it's not that we're trying to like strive to get to God. Christ is within us, leading, guiding us, right? As Willard would say, I say it almost all the time now, like even in people I'm leading and walking with, grace isn't opposed to effort, brothers and sisters. It's opposed to earning. So in our walk, yes, muscle memory and, and patterns and habits are adopted to put on, put on Christ and to live in him. And Paul says, therefore, you know what? Everybody, Jew or Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, slave or free, we are one in Jesus. All are invited in. You out there? This, now this may not seem revolutionary as much to us, because we've, there's been a lot of fighting for equality and, and, and an understanding of the value of each person. But in the first century, this is like ear-bending. As you get this letter in this little home church where everything is stratified, the culture is trying to suck in the way of the church, and Paul is pushing against it. We're almost done. Ready? Verse 12. Paul continues, Therefore, okay, in light of all of this, right? So in light of the fact we set our minds on what is above, we understand the putting on and the putting, the taking off and the putting on. Paul says, therefore, as God's chosen people, which is a hyperlink to the Old Testament in the people of God, holy and dearly loved, listen, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience. Imagine if these were the markers of the church. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive, brothers and sisters, as the Lord forgave you, and above all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So there's the things we're putting on, right? Compassion, boom. Kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and above anything, we are these people that put on love. He goes on, verse 15, let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through hymns and psalms and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, brothers and sisters, whether it is in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And everybody said, this is why when I got to this, it's like we don't just read it. This is why I wanted to kind of slow down, but also say sometimes we look for stories and the, the way for the Bible and the text to kind of land for us. Did you just hear what we read? I mean, it, it is, guys, it was before them in the first century and it's before us today. Let Christ rule in us as members of this body. Let the message of Jesus immerse us. And I guess maybe for us, it would kind of be the challenge of like kind of looking to the next and, and cool thing and understanding it's right here among us. We don't have to look much farther than, honestly, I believe what God is doing among us. Sing songs and hymns and then this, 
this understanding that whatever we do in our, our work, our vocations, when we come together, we do it in word and deed, and we do it in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God. This is the type of instruction we pick up, and the exegesis, the, the kind of unpacking of this is fairly simple. We let Christ rule within us and lead us because we have been made alive in him. And that, brothers and sisters, should stir something within us that we are these people where whatever we do, it's done for Jesus. As we come together, God working and moving in us as a community. And our hearts and our lives open to this. And I would just say, you know, as I was sitting with my boys, I'm a single parent this week, which is going to be interesting. Pray, pray for us. Um, <laughs> Heather and Ava are away for the week, and <laughs> some of your minds are going, like, is it, how's this going to work? I don't even know. I don't know. I'll tell you on Saturday when they come home and we all just weep and hug them very much. But, you know, I got thinking with my boys, just as we're singing these songs, you know, and we're here together worshiping this morning, that it can't be underestimated what a type of community does when it sets its mind and attention on Jesus, what that does in young hearts. What it does when we do everything we do in light of the King. And this is a call for us. We've been raised with Christ and that adopts and it looks like something. And so as Paul talks about, hey, Forget some of the, the, you know, the Jewish marker stuff, right? That doesn't mean there's a, not a calling to take off and to put on. To take off and to put on. And we're going to give space for that this morning. You know, one of the ways I think is a great taking off and a putting on moment is every time. And I know it can be, feel like it's methodical, but as we walk down that aisle and take the prepackaged bread and cup, um, it's a reminder to us of a taking off and leaning into Jesus and putting on these things. The church should and must be held to this standard. This is why I love this portion of scripture because the things that Paul lists here and what people who put on Christ look like, we should be held to this. But as we walk this kind of pathway this morning, may it be a reminder to us that Christ reigns. There's not, nothing more than that. This is about Jesus as king and even in a sense walking towards him. And so for some of us, we're gonna give a space here in a second just in the quietness of this moment to just consider and reconsider and maybe we haven't even as I sit here and think about our own community, maybe we haven't given as much time for repentance. You know, I'm kind of like the half glass full guy and Jesus is king and let's go and, you know, like happy clappy sometimes and I know that can be to my detriment at times. But, you know, sometimes we need space to maybe be confronted with our sin. This is what it means to understand what it is to walk in Jesus and what maybe this morning needs to be taken off. And listen, Jesus took that on himself. We know that. Took the sins of humanity and our brokenness upon himself. But there is an act in Paul's language, an action in his language, that there's some things that need to come off. And then as we come to the table and we sing these songs together, and the, the, the closing song this morning fits so well 
And it, we, just, we just sunk up so well. This is great. I don't even think we talked this week, but hey, it's all good. We'll let people know we are very, very communicative, and it was just all planned. Um, as this song kind of lines up, that it would also be a moment as we wrestle with, with what needs to come off through our worship, we put on these things. So right where you are right now, why don't you just close your eyes just for a moment, if you feel comfortable with that. The beautiful thing is, like, in teaching, we get to poke and probe a bit, but that doesn't mean that there's any control in that sense, and that's a beautiful thing. That's got to be the work in ourselves, right? God working in ourselves. And um, maybe this is a moment in this room just, just to think through what needs to kind of come off. For some of us, I just get an image in my mind this morning of, and I think about this for my own life at times, the tattered and worn out outfit that is the things of this world. The rips, the holes, the worn out t-shirt as, a, as an image, whatever it is of things that weigh us down. God, help us. This is not about just becoming better. It is about walking in you and the transformation that you're doing. Help us to take off the things of this world. Help us to set our mind on what is right and the things above. And as the world, and I just see this so much, God, and many of us see this, that wants to change thinking, God, our thinking as a community is changed by setting it on you. So as we come to the table, work among us and help us, God, to be people that clothe ourselves in your righteousness, in your way. As we take the bread and cup this morning, may it just be a reminder of that. Maybe a reminder of that.